text messages. Let's see what we've got here. Uh, Benefits Coffee. Ooh. I will bet you if you check on who made the research, you will find they were probably requested and paid for by the coffee industry. <laughs> oh, a conspiracy. Yes, we, <laughs> we have no idea. Uh, however, if that was to be the case, it would certainly not be the first time. Oh, 100%. Okay, North Korea, I just listened to her story a few days ago. What an amazing story. Her statement on the repressing, re- repressive thinking is 100% correct. Let us not forget that the whole world is presently going through the same thing, slowly but surely. Uh, the Pope and religious liberty don't equate. Yeah, somebody knows the history. Let us not be fooled by this double speech. His religious freedom will equate to destruction of true religious liberty and the whole world will have less freedom than North Korea. The Bible does say that. Ooh, Revelation 13 says that, mm-hmm. uh, that our world is going to lose its religious liberty entirely uh, at the end of time. So there you go, some uh, text messages, some comments coming through uh, relating to the stories that we were talking about earlier on in the show. If you missed those stories, we had some really interesting ones uh, with Pope Francis making a very strong stand for religious liberty in Italy, uh, which is, yeah, unusual, Mm -hmm. considering, particularly for those who know their history. Uh, then you can go back and listen on the podcast. Uh, simply download the app or go to faithfm.com.au. And, of course, the app is Faith FM Australia. Yes, I have to remind people this. There's a lot of Faith FMs around the world. There are. But we have the Faith best Faith FM one. Australia. Uh-huh. This is the Australian one. Mm-hmm. You want the Aussie one? Come on, guys. The Aussie, good Aussie. one. That's right. That's the right. good 100%. 100%. Yeah. All right. Okay, so we're going to study a prayer this morning. Ooh. This is an interesting prayer. Uh, this is a prayer that Paul prays, and what I find fascinating about it is that typically in the Bible, when you find a prayer, you're going to find it in one of the more biographical stories. Uh-huh. So, for instance, the Lord's Prayer. You know, Luke is simply recording that uh, you know these events took place, and when these events took place, Jesus prayed a prayer, and this is what he prayed. Mm. So this that's typically where you find a prayer, as is like a more biographical kind of uh, scenario. What you don't typically find is a prayer in an epistle. Mm. And you've got other circumstances where, you know, Daniel records one of his prayers. He's like, this was happening, I was struggling to understand this, um, so I prayed about it, and this is what I prayed, and this is how the Lord answered me. So once again, it's kind of autobiographical in in, in nature. Mm. What you've got with this prayer is that Paul is writing an epistle. Now, an epistle is a letter. Mm. So it's a little bit like he's writing an email, Mm -hmm. old version of an email. Uh, He's writing on probably vellum rather than typing it out on his uh, laptop. Or even writing on paper. or Yeah, none of that. Uh, So he's probably writing this out on, on, on vellum, but it's the equivalent of an email. And my question is, how many times, Lawson, have you written somebody an email and you've written a whole bunch of encouraging stuff? I'm sure we've done that. You know, we've all done that many times in ministry. That's what we do in ministry. And in the middle of it, we've just launched into a prayer. Uh, not often. Uh, in fact, I would probably say not at all. I'd say not at all. I've uh, been and, and I've been doing ministry a lot longer than what you have. <laughs> I don't ever reminding, remember writing a letter. Well, I don't remember, remember writing a letter. But I don't remember <laughs> writing an email. <laughs> Certainly don't remember writing an email. And, you know, saying a bunch of encouraging stuff. And in the middle of that, just launching into a prayer. Mm. 
Not like, hey, here's a great prayer. I'm going to pray for you. No, just 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 launching in. Like particularly a written down one. A written down one. Mm. And that's what we've got today. That's what we're going to study. This is unique in the Bible, and it's pretty unique in Christian um, uh, writings and literature. And mm. you know, it's it's one of those things that I'm sure that both you and I have often written in an email or in a text message, countless times. I'm praying for you. Yeah, but how many times have we actually written the prayer? The words. <laughs> Paul doesn't say, "I'm praying for you." He just launches in. Here's the prayer. Here are the words. He just writes it down. So we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 3. This is actually a, a fairly famous passage here. Ephesians chapter 3. And we are going to re- begin reading in verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, the Bible says, uh, let me find it right here. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that uh, that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through this spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. This is actually a, a passage I've memorized, a different oh, translation. Yeah, it's going it's to be like, hard to read. <laughs> so um, hard to Glory read. to him in the church and to and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. There you go. There's a prayer right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, wow. It begins with, I bow my, my knees and I say this. Mm. And then he ends with, amen. <laughs> yeah, wow. And he's, he, even, he even added the amen in there. Yeah. He didn't leave anything out. I love how he And he did. even said, yeah, okay, I'm going to kneel down now. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to bow my knees right now. I'm going to kneel down, and this is what I'm going to pray for you. I wonder if he was writing. Well, well, we we, we theorized that Paul didn't write his letters, but... We, we theorized that. Yeah, because... Mm. Well, it's, it's one of those... It's, okay, so it's one of those things that we theorize. Mm-hmm. And really, it comes from people who like to theorize their, uh, uh, about a lot of stuff. Mm. They really have no idea about. I question <laughs> it, and, 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 and I question it for this reason: there is no evidence for it. Yeah, hundred percent, none. No internal evidence, no external evidence. There's no evidence for it. That's the first thing. The second thing is, Paul was an incredibly highly educated guy. Mm. Why would he not write his own letters? Oh well, the theory is is that because of his bad eyesight, like that's that's the point, and that's every, that's that's yeah. also a possibility. Yeah, it's like there's, there's and, no evidence that he wrote. Uh, well, in the text, the only thing that they, that they point to that shows it's like, oh, look in what such big red- letters that I write. You know, you can tell that it's me, and it's like, oh, well, because he had bad eyesight, he couldn't necessarily see if he was writing something small. So then they theorize, oh, for the rest of his letters, he probably just would have got someone else to write them for him. Whatever. But still, nonetheless. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking about Paul's prayer right here. 
And our subject today really is the new covenant and the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, and the whole theme of this prayer is that Jesus lives in our heart. I'm going to I'm going to work my way through it now in the King James version. Verse 14, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And so here he's talking about the church of God. Mm. This is not a church that has a particular name to it other than that is the church of God. This is not the church that has a particular denomination. This is made up of all believing people, all saved mm. people. And those people are made up from many different denominations and many different religions and even possibly no religion, we are not the ones to judge, but the whole family in heaven and earth, mm. the Bible says, named well, in Jesus Christ. At this time, there's no denomination, like other than literally like the... the Christians. What, Christians, like what Paul and Peter are teaching. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right, continues on, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man which is typical Pauline language where he likes to say things not simply. <laughs> I would simply say that the Holy Spirit, that Jesus makes you strong through the Holy Spirit. Yes. I pray that Jesus makes you strong through the Holy Spirit. In fact, it uses the word might. So let me put in there that Jesus makes you very strong through the Holy Spirit. mm all right, continues on then in verse 18. Where are we up to? No, verse 17, that Christ may live in your hearts by faith. Mm. And this is the center of the prayer right here. This is the main part of the prayer that he is really focusing on. He is His main point of the prayer is that Christ lives in us. And that's what Christianity is all about, isn't it? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Living a life like Jesus lived his life. Christian means a follower of Christ. Christ is Jesus. It's really quite simple. And so, uh, yeah, being that Christ may live in your hearts, being rooted and grounded in love. What do you think it means when it says being rooted and grounded in love? Uh, I think it's like that all of your motivations and that everything you do, uh, comes from a purpose of selflessness yes. and love. I, I like to think of it like this. Our, our Christian experience shouldn't be a pie, but a cake. Uh, okay. Yeah, check, check this out. Check this out. So with a pie, like, you know, when you, if you look at like a pie chart or you cut up a pie or whatever, you uh-huh. know, you have slices. Yes. And it's like, okay, you know, you have... They radiate out from the middle. Yeah. But ultimately, like with a pie... Like a pizza. Yeah, a pizza. Perfect example. But it's like you have a, a slice for this and a slice for this and a slice for this and a slice for this. And this is many people's lives. Um, but I feel like that is a very negative way to live the life of faith um, because then you can have two things in your pizza that is your, or your pie that is your life that are um, not consistent with one another, but they live in different sections and so you can justify it. And so you can say, have uh, mushrooms on one side of your pizza and pineapple on the other side. Yeah. No, but and, and 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 if we take oh yuck pineapple, uh, but if we, <laughs> if, we take, if we take it into you know into the metaphor here, you can have you know oh your life of faith on this side, and then it's like on the other side, well a life of sin because you so know, you can I, compartmentalize. Yes, compartmentalize, and in every sense, like that's a terrible thing. Yes. Uh, it's a terrible thing to do to scripture, and it's a terrible thing to do with your life. Whereas when you have a cake, right, and you have you have like a a 
a base in your cake, right? And it's like made out of sponge or whatever. To me, that represents the base in your cake represents basic human functions: needing to work, needing to have a family life, needing to uh, eat, needing to do all these different things. And then that thing is covered. That base is covered completely by the icing, which I believe to be, you know, from top to bottom with icing, which I believe to be faith your beliefs, your like your faith in God and your relationship with him. When we cover everything, when, when we cover everything we do, um, then we can truly fulfill this idea of, the, you know, that Paul gives in different sections of the Bible where he's like, you know, oh, eat and drink to the glory of God. Like do everything that you can to the glory of God. Live a life that is holy and solely in God. And we see here as well being rooted in Christ. Mm-hmm. Like that everything you do comes from, is motivated by your beliefs. And here with Christ's love, like motivated by selflessness um, for the benefit of others. When it's when everything you do is covered and saturated in that idea, then you live a life that's more consistent, more satisfied, and more fulfilled. Absolutely. Mm. I love the... I love the agricultural illustration that there is in this verse. Mm. When it talks about being rooted and grounded, it's the picture of a tree. Yeah, wow. And if you think about a tree, it's because it says being rooted and grounded in love, and you think about a tree, it's the stump of the tree. Mm. This is the thickest, the heaviest, the strongest part of the tree, and this is the part of the tree that is sticking down into the ground and absorbing things through the ground. Mm. This is the part of the tree that provides life to the tree. You can't have a tree without having a stump. Mm. It's just it's not going to happen. And so if we are rooted and grounded in love, then the soil that we are in, the soil that we are growing in is the soil of love. Mm. We are drawing from God's love. We are drawing the nutrients into our life that come from God's love, and that creates a solid foundation for us. Now, the stump of the tree is not just the part of the tree that draws in all the nutrients. The stump of the tree is that part of the tree that the tree sits on. Yes, it's that the gives foundation. it stability, mm. that stops it from being flattened every time a storm comes past or when the wind blows or whatever else it might be. And you can have some trees that are growing in, you know, sand and the wind comes and they just fall over. Mm. But when we are rooted and grounded in love, this is a tree that has its roots deep down into clay. Yeah, well. You're never going to rip this thing out of the ground. Mm. And if you look at clay, clay is like the most nutrient rich kind of soil that you can get. You know, we love to we love to use that nice soft alluvial soil to grow our gardens in because it's nice and soft and easy to work. But clay, if you can keep that clay moist, that's where the nutrients are. Dude, I love that point you just made there, if you keep the clay moist. Because whenever the analogy of the tree is used, my mind immediately goes to my favorite psalm, which is Psalm number one. Yes. And Psalm yes. number one is so epic. A it's tree like, planted by the water. Yes. A tree. Oh, I'll just read like the first four verses. It's like, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the, God, law of the Lord and... and he, in his law, he meditates day and night. So it's like, okay, this is what a man who follows God looks like. It's one who delights in the Lord, who delights in his law, who spends his time with him, close proximity. And then he gives an illustration to see what oh, what does that look like? Uh, 
He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Yes. It's so powerful. It's such an awesome illustration because it's like this, yeah, this idea again of being rooted in Christ, but being in close proximity of, you know, the river. The river, the moisture. The moisture, a living relationship with Jesus, his Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what Paul is praying for them here. He's like, be filled with the Holy Spirit and be rooted in Christ. That's the only way in which you'll find success in your ministry. He's writing to a church that is reaching out to the world around them. Ephesus, this like, you know, hugely pagan city with a pagan population of people who don't like them, who don't want to see them succeed. And it's like the only way in which this will be accomplished is being close to Christ. I love so yeah, I love good. that. You know, and you and you read this passage here in Titus chapter three and verse five, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us mm. by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. There you've got water as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so you take that tree. Now the reason that the that the water is there yeah. is because the soil is holding the water. Yes. If the soil wasn't holding the water, the, the, the water would just go through the soil and disappear. Mm-hmm. To have soil that holds water, you've got to have clay. Mm. And for a tree to grow in clay, you've got to have moisture because you can't grow in hard clay. Yeah. So you've got to have clay and moisture, so that nutrient-rich clay and that moisture of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, his love, the Holy Spirit all acting together. Now you have a tree that's planted by the river of water, by the water, as it says in Psalms 1 right there, and a tree that can flourish and that can grow strong and that is not going to be blown away mm. and is not going to be moved by every wind of doctrine that comes past. You have the strength that comes to us from Jesus Christ. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. To our Bible study, Bible Matthew study. chapter 22, verse 37. Oh, are we not going to read the best verses in this passage? Oh, we're not? The, Do we the, miss them? The, la- the last two verses. Okay, you're right. We have to finish those verses and then we'll have to, we have to dwell on those verses. We've read them. We haven't dwelt on them yet. Yeah. Dude, okay, okay. Can I just, can I just impress you real quick? Are you ready? Okay. Now to him who... Oh, man, I already forgot what it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is. This is Lawson not looking at his Bible. <laughs> now to him who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we um, ask or think uh, by the cr- power that dwells within us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. To all generations forever and ever. Amen. Well done. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. <laughs> well, well, very well done. I, I love this that. Is, this, is, uh, this is Lawson uh, speaking from memory right here. We were talking about the illustration of the tree. Yes. And somebody called through to talk about uh, how Nebuchadnezzar was symbolized by a tree. Oh, yeah. And it was chopped down. Yes. Uh, and and, and this, there was just a stump. Mm. Um, and, you know, chopped down, cut off from God, all that kind of thing. You know, the, the, the tree dies. Mm. And I'm, I, I guess I'm sort of, you know, drawing more from the, the, the phone call than... Um, what may have come through in the phone call because it came through during the song break. But I'm just thinking of that story because the stump stays in the ground. Mm. And if you cut down a tree and the stump stays in the ground, often you'll see that tree come back. And that's what happened with Nebuchadnezzar. And so while ever the stump is in the ground, there is then hope for that tree to continue living. Mm. 
anyway. All right. stuff. Okay, where are we up to? Yeah, these last two verses. These last two verses. Yeah, 20, what is it, 20 and 21? This uh, is you know we didn't we didn't even we didn't even do verse eighteen. Oh, we may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and oh. depth and height yes. of the love of God. Mm. So this is multi-dimensional love. This is this is not just one dimensional or two dimensional, this is three dimensional love. You've got breadth, you've got length, you've got height of the love of God. You know what? That's so that's so epic. I think it speaks to every every misconception of love because there are some people that are like, oh, love is, um, you know, attraction and only attraction. And it's like, well, no, love no, is more than that. But, like, but then there are people, but, but then there are some people who are like, love is only self-sacrifice. And I would say also, no, like there are, there is like, there is components to all of it because there's different loves that we feel towards different people like that dude attraction is in my opinion attraction is definitely like a a form of love like it's definitely something that comes from you know love being attracted to someone and uh you know what that leads to as uh you know we were recently attending a wedding and we saw what that leads to praise the lord yes uh, attraction is a part of it and attraction is a massive part of it and so it's like talking about not that not necessarily that like we're overly attracted to god but i think what he's speaking to here is every single kind of love the intimate love the brotherly love the the love that we feel for God and then one another, so those who we're, those who we don't know and those who we're closest to. You know, for example, you don't have intimate love with the homeless person on the street, but you can show selflessness to them. You know, you can be there for them. You can sacrifice for them. And so, oh man, God covers every single one of those bases. Like Indeed. that's who God is. Absolutely. All right, let's go to verse 20 now. Now, now this is one that you uh, memorized for us. Now unto mm-hmm. whom he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Don't you love all the redundant words here? Yeah. Paul is great at using redundant words. <laughs> it's like, he's good. He's good. Dude, he would be a gun university student. Yes. Like filling the word counts. Absolutely. But all of these redundant words, they add so much to it because Paul mm. could have said, who can do more than you ask, and that would have been a correct statement. Yes, but he's not satisfied with that. He's got to. He's got to. He's got to add in a whole bunch of redundant words, and in this case, it's not just to fill a word count. Mm. These are emphasizers. Yeah, well, they are adding weight and power to what he's saying, and he says, "Like, okay, it's not just more than you can ask or desire; it's exceedingly abundantly more." Then you can ask or desire. He's also writing to people of different status in the world. It's not just like, oh, more than you think, you know, the peasant. But it's like, oh, yeah, more than you think, the king. But not more than, sorry, yeah, not more than you think. It's more than you can say. It's more than you can conceive. It's exceedingly above. It's not just like, you know, there isn't someone out there who can comprehend it. This is the point he's making. There's not, you know, oh, it's not going to be that then the emperor understands. Like, not even the emperor, not even Caesar really understands the love of God and how massive it is. Indeed. Mm. All right, let's uh, continue on here. Under him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Mm. Of course, the amen at the end is so let it be. Yes. Great way to finish that off. Okay, so we were going to go to Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 39. Let's read this one very quickly. Matthew chapter 22, 22. verse 37 to 39. 
Matthew 22, verse 37 to 39, the Bible says this. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, uh, and all your soul. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So if we, if we, if we have the Ten Commandments and we don't have love, then what relevance are the Ten Commandments? None. None. In fact, Paul says it profits you nothing. First Corinthians 13, mm. the love chapter. Yes. You know, it's interesting when you read the love chapter, and I did mention this at the wedding mm. on the weekend. There is no emotion mentioned in the love chapter. Yeah, wow. There's just actions. Mm. You know, love does this, love does that, love does the other thing. Love mm. is kind, love is tender, love is... Patient, love is, you know, it tells you what love is and all of those things are actions. They're not emotions. Mm. And when it comes to the law of God, we have actions, mm. actions that reveal where our heart is mm. because our heart is revealed through what we do. Mm. And that's why Jesus says here, you know, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the whole law right there. Mm. That's why Paul says love is the fulfilling of the law. That's what it is all yes. about. That's why the Bible says that the love, that the law of God in the new covenant is going to be written in our mind wow. and on our heart. Mm. In our mind so we understand it, on our heart so we want to do it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Question of the day. Right, today's question of the day is, should we use a single cup or multiple cups in communion? Okay, this is one of these questions where, as Christians, we make ourselves look bizarre and ridiculous to the rest of the world. Yes. Because of the things we talk about mm-hmm. and, and the things that we discuss and the things that we disagree over, seriously. Yeah. Okay, so let's think about what the Bible says. The Bible says in Matthew chapter uh, 26 and verse 27, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying... Drink you all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this cup of the vine until the day when I drink it with you new in my Father's kingdom. Okay, so there's a couple of things here you know, that immediately come to mind. And, and, and I'll start with just an illustration. Let's say that I was coming over to your place and I was running late. And I said, look, I was running late, so I took the car. Mm-hmm. Does that imply that there were no other cars in my yard? No. No. Does that imply that nobody else came over to visit you from my house? No. Does it imply that they didn't use their own cars? Does it imply that everybody rode in my car? No. It, it implies that I took a car. Uh-huh. And this is what you find in the passage. There is not a qualifying statement in the passage. God does not find that necessary. If God thought it was necessary, he would have put it in there. But it could have read, you know, something along the lines of, um, you know, he took the cup from which we all drank. Mm. Or it could have read, he took the cup that was in front of him, Mm. which would give you two very different meanings to it. Yes. The Bible doesn't include that detail, and if it was important, the Bible would have included it. God expects us to use a little bit of common sense right here. Okay, so uh, there is no evidence that there was only one cup, and there is no evidence that there was one cup that was passed around. 
if it was necessary for there to be only one cup, God would have specified that. And this was the Passover service. There is no requirement in the Passover service, either in Scripture or in tradition, that one cup be used. Now, if you're going to get finicky over the cup, let's think about what else is taking place here. They're all seated around a table. Do we do communion like that? Uh, That'd be a big table in some churches. Mm. Not only that, but they are all sitting on couches, Roman style, uh-huh. uh, where they recline. This is not even Jewish style. This is Roman style. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that we all recline on a couch and lean on each other as they were clearly doing, you know, in the Passover service? Oh, I wish that'd be fun. And finally, of course, you know, does Jesus say, "Do this"? But remember the crockery. Mm, wow. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And when we start to focus on the crockery, the whole thing becomes, well, a rock. (laughs) 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 Okay. Uh, You know, seriously, we need to stop and think about this, that this is is not what the communion service is about. The communion service is about remembering Jesus. Jesus did not say in the communion service there is a whole bunch of fine detail here that you need to get exactly right. Jesus says you need to do this in remembrance of me. And I've been to lots of different styles of communion services. They all shared the bread, the wine, and the foot washing. All of them shared those elements. Those are the necessary elements yes. to, the, to the communion service. Let's all share those, and let's not get bent out of shape over the finer details that God does not see fit for us to be worried about. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.